Buffs Nation. What's going on? Welcome into the Buffs Nation podcast. How about them Buffs getting a 20-17 win at home on Senior Day? Doesn't matter if we're not going to a bowl game this season. There's still stuff to play for. That was always fun to uh, see the seniors get a win and see the Buffs end things positively in Boulder. Uh, on today's show, we'll talk about the Washington game where CU won, like I said, 2017, and then we will preview their final game of the season, going to Utah, playing at 2 o'clock on Friday. I'm Tyler Walgy. Jared All is uh, across the studio from me. Jared, what's going on? How are you? Feeling good. It's a it's a victory Monday, right? So, it's a victory Monday. Victory in the air. actually... Tuesday, so victory Tuesday, victory, victory Tuesday. Isn't it nice though when you have the, the 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 fumble on the day of the week where you think it's a day behind instead of thinking it's a day. There's nothing worse than it's it being Thursday good. and you think it's Friday. Well, Thursday this week is Thanksgiving, and that's why I'm so off this week, right? Because I, we only have the, the short work week. Happy Thanksgiving to you, to you as well. Uh, you got plans? What are you doing? Yeah, we have. I think we're expecting somewhere in the, in the range of like 11, 10, 11 people at the house. So at your house, at my house so get out of here so my wife brooke does all the cooking i'm not even allowed in the kitchen that's that's <laughs> just a smart play um so i i you know i have the the tasks of uh, getting the house ready do you want to help out guests. or are you kicked out of you the know kitchen? i mean i don't mind cooking but like if if the option is is like sitting around watching football drinking beer right. or being in the kitchen and cooking like that's a pretty obvious decision yeah definitely <laughs> i i like to get a little i like to cook though yeah i like to get involved a little bit but hey uh, you gotta you gotta appreciate that um how about I, yourself you got you, you you i know your family your parents are in town are you going to their place or what's going on uh going to my sister's husband's parents house so whatever connection that is I, okay. i'm always bad with those you know it, family i actually saw names. like a uh, a chart one time of how it all connects it's, mm, it's that's really help. interesting yeah it doesn't yeah help. let's go over that uh but anyway happy thanksgiving to everyone out there uh most overrated thanksgiving dish is stuffing most underrated thanksgiving dish is pie Okay. Okay. I, so, I, I stole that from you. Jared does another podcast. I stole that from his. Content. I was just gonna say I'm not gonna I'm not gonna <laughs> give mine because I'm gonna tease then for the audience another show for those of you guys that like to listen to things outside of just uh, the CU Buffs. Obviously, we know everyone listening here is a big Buffs fan, but uh, we do another show. Myself and uh, and uh, a couple other guys, uh, Connor Holskamp and Nick Sopris, do a show a part of the Woos Media family called Red Rock Sports. Sort of covers all the other Colorado sports, the professional Colorado sports. Broncos, Nuggets, Avalanche, Rockies. So if you want to tune into that, you can find it uh, as well on whatever uh, listener uh, player you're listening to now. Uh, it's called Red Rock Sports, part of the Woos Media family. Yeah, good stuff. That's definitely a fun show, and I know they're doing the underrated, overrated. I love... So what did you say? You said stuffing is the most overrated? Well, I, I oh. like Stuffing's decent, but it's just way okay. overrated. Okay. It's okay. way overrated for what it is and what people say it is or how much people hype it up. And then uh, underrated is pie. Not a lot of, you know, some people do pie. Not everyone does pies. And then my pie, I've got my college ball playoff four for the pie. Number four is apple. Three is pumpkin. Two is cherry. And one is key lime pie. Oh, okay. So I'm, I'm, about a, key lime. I'm, a, I'm a pecan guy myself. That's my, my favorite pie. You can't, you can't. They were go left out of my. They, they were the, the first pumpkin. one out. They were fifth in my okay, rankings. Okay, yeah. but key lime is a good pie. I just don't associate key lime with Thanksgiving. <laughs> I do key lime whenever I can. Yeah. I love key lime. Okay. 
Anyway, happy Thanksgiving, everyone out there. Let's hope the Buffs can deliver a big Thanksgiving win. Now, for old school Buffs fans like myself, that usually meant the Nebraska game. It was always Nebraska, Thanksgiving weekend, and uh, now it's kind of shifted to Utah. And I don't see Utah necessarily as a rival of the Buffs. I know they kind of tried to manufacture it, the Rumble and the Rockies, but that's not how rivalries work. Rivalries work based on, usually, a history of good games that mean a lot or at least have some kind of meaning. So I don't look at this game coming up as a necessary rivalry, but... uh, you know, it's kind of cool to end the season against Utah, I guess. You know, I don't think much of it. It's just another game usually. But obviously this season, it does have some significance just because it's the last game of the season. But uh, first, let's go over the Washington win. Buffs win 2017 against Washington. But uh, look, the one thing that they kept talking about on the radio, on TV, is that CU uh, kind of got outgained, outplayed, at least on the stats, you know, and you don't win on on paper. You don't win based on the box score, so I understand that, and I was at the game. I thought it was awesome to be at. It was it was cold. It was actually one of the coldest games of the season, which is weird because usually we get a couple snow games in there, or at least one snow game a season. This year it was fine. The weather was great, but yet, but on Saturday, it was cool, chilly. I got the apple cider. I- I unfortunately, Tyler, was not able to go to this game, but I, I don't know that I'm going to take your word for it that it was cold. As you're sitting here in in a sweater in sweats in like 75 <laughs> degree heat in the I studio know, here. I know, but try, well, it was chilly. <laughs> and look, I always like to be warm for sure, uh, but it was cold. It was, it was the coldest game this season, that's for sure. And like I said, I went to the, you know, they got all those really good uh, different kind of snacks over uh, by the pavilion. Because Folsom Field is set up different. Folsom Field, on the east side of the stands, which is where I sit, I face the west, they have the classic uh, kind of like stadium uh, foods. So they have the hot dog place, or like the sausages, the sausages place. They've got the pizza place. They got the you know the nachos or whatever it is. So it's kind of like distinguished wherever you go on that side. And then you get around to the west side, and it's just more tents, more vendors, more food trucks, things like that. So it's kind of cool how they do it. The only downside is if you're on one of the sides and you want something on the other on the other side, you got to kind of walk. But either way, um, I went over to the there was like a, a donut little donut truck over there. It was a great deal. It was thirteen donuts for like uh, seven bucks. And I got uh, some apple cider, too. It was great. Oh, that sounds fantastic. Oh, it was awesome. I need to go to the west side of the stadium more. Right. Do you ever go over there for no, your I, stuff? No, I hardly do because, like you said, it, it is tough. You almost have to go at, like, halftime. Otherwise, you end up missing a chunk of the game yeah. while just walking. Yeah, but uh, either way, so that was nice. But it, it was a chilly one, which I love the cold games myself. But uh, either way, like I said, CU on paper – they got outgained. Uh, passing Washington through for 388. Uh, Colorado through for 112. On the ground, Washington rushed for 38 yards. Colorado rushed for 71 yards. That's abysmal on both ends. Uh, total offense or total yards, I should say, for the game. Colorado had under 200 yards of total offense. Now, there was a great uh, tweet by Brian Howell. Uh, do you follow Brian Howell? Yeah, he's a great follow. For those of you who don't know, Brian Howell, uh, he covers about through Buffstone, I think is who he's with. Uh, yeah, Buffstone, yeah. But yeah, he's a great follow on Twitter. He, he, he really is a good one. If you want to get up-to-date, quick information on what's going on with the Buffs, he's always on top of it. All right, so he had a, gr- uh, a really good tweet after the game, and I want to find it because I don't want to misquote it here. 
and it was talking about the yards. Broncos having a certain amount of yards. Buffaloes, don't don't you dare! Oh, da- don't yeah, they go Broncos. No, don't you dare! Hey, look, sometimes you, you put them in the same category these days. All right, so I here know, it is. right? A little bit lately. Uh, so this quote. Uh, Today was the third time this year, and this this uh, tweet was from Saturday. Today was the third time this year that Colorado has had less than 200 yards. Oh. That matches that matches the Buffs total from the previous eight seasons combined. So, Buffs fans, if you thought things were bad the last decade, then know we've had a couple good years. They're nowhere close to the season. So this is my message to everyone out there who wants to think it's all sunshine, rainbows, and roses because they got to win. It's not. And there are far too many, in my opinion, far too many fans giving this team and this coaching staff a pass. I hate when I read online, stop being so negative about this team. It's not negativity. If your son or daughter gets an F on the on, on their you know science quiz and you get upset with them are you being negative towards your kids are you are you uh, acting because you have a certain expectation and they aren't living up to your expectation as a buffs fan you have to have a certain expectation based on what you see on the field you can't treat this as if it's third grade recreational sports it's just not so this whole oh stop being so negative it's not negativity it's just wanting to see the best and expecting the best from what you should be getting from a good football team so this should be unacceptable the third time this year they've gained under 200 yards. That is so bad. The last eight seasons combined, that, 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 that's what they did. So not good for the offense. Now, did they get the win? Yes. Was it against a, a, a tired, undercoached, undermanned, you know, a head coachless Washington team? Yes. So it's good that Colorado got the win. I absolutely love sending the seniors out with the win. That felt good. And it's always nice to sing the fight song at the end of the game and just to enjoy it. But don't let that win blind you. The Buffs have a lot of work to do. Just to pile on that a little bit, the 183 yards of total offense, their last scoring drive, the touchdown drive, which is a Big drive and something that does encourage me and I liked to see the Buffs closing with a big long drive that was 14 plays, 80 yards. Well, yeah. So prior to that drive, yeah, yeah. you're sitting somewhere in the range of 100 yards of total offense. Yeah. So look, you know, uh, let's... And, 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 and I think, Tyler, you know, I, I do want to point out, I do pull some positivity from what I saw in this game. I saw a, a group of kids out there fighting and giving it everything. We questioned where their motivation would be. Would they be motivated going into this game now knowing you're no longer have the potential of being bowl eligible? You really truly have nothing to play for and I thought the buffs were out there playing hard particularly the defense was out there just making plays and I think that's something we called for last week seeing this defense making big plays did a few of those fall on their lap certainly look look none other than the the fumble recovery for a touchdown for Jack Lamb that just fell in his lap literally Uh, but I, I like to see the buffs out there giving it their all making big plays, and going at the end of the game and winning a game. I like to see that. Well, there's a difference between getting the win and or, you know going and getting the win or happening to win the game. And they certainly went out and earned this one. Uh, <laughs> on the season, so uh, Brady Russell led the team in uh, receiving yards, uh, tied for lead and catches this game. Would you have thought, before the season started, if I would have told you, that Brady Russell entering the last game of the season, would lead the Buffs in catches and be four yards behind the leader in yards. I mean, what, what would you have said? 
I mean, we talked at length before the season about the incredible talent at wide receiver. So I would have told you there had to have been a lot of injuries, right? That's the only way that that's happening. Or Brady Russell went off and had himself right? a huge Some like kind of like and, this, and, and he's going season. he's going into the NFL next. Season, I mean, right? he has almost doubled the catches and yard. Well, he's almost tripled the yards, almost doubled the catches of Dimitri Stanley. I mean, to see what Stanley did last year, how impactful he was in the bowl game. When I saw Brendan Lewis come into the Alamo Bowl last year. Wait, was that last year? Yeah, it was. Oh, my God. That was last year. I know. <laughs> oh, jeez. When I saw Brendan Lewis come into the Alamo Bowl so last much, year. I, we had so much optimism. I know, right? Uh, and he was hooking up with Dimitri Stanley over and over. I thought they were going to have a great connection this year. 12 receptions for Dimitri so far this season, you know? And uh, we talked about this a little bit last week. You know, you just wonder, do some of these numbers prompt some of these players to transfer? I, I, I'm not sure if that's the case. Now, the good thing is the transfer portal works both ways. And hopefully there's a lot of talent that uh, Carl Durrell and, and company can bring in here. But I just wonder about that. I've been thinking about that. Not so sure. But yeah, I saw that uh, Brady Russell led the team once again in catches and yards. I was like, I wonder what he's doing this season. He's almost leading a team in both. So... That's, uh, yeah, give it up for him. It, it means, you know, maybe not so great things for other players. That means a hell of a heck of a lot for uh, Brady Russell. Uh, Daniel Arias had three catches. Uh, also, uh, Ty Robinson had two. Fontenot had two. And then uh, Carpenter, Lynch, Stanley, and Broussard all had one catch on the ground. Uh, Broussard got the majority of the touches. 12 carries, 43 yards. Brendan Lewis, six carries, 30 yards. And then Deion Smith and Fontenot had three carries a piece defensively no Nate Landman that was kind of sad to see him on the sidelines but not playing uh, senior day he was all dressed you know all suited up he tried he went out there and tried in pregame but it yeah. just he, he could make it happen now I did hear he is questionable for this upcoming week they've been game. saying that now I know for weeks. I know but uh th- there is optimism that he may get a chance to uh lace him up one more time one of what was uh, one of our keys to the game? Get sacks, pressure the quarterback. Three sacks. I mean, I think that's a season high in terms of I, per I game. I have to imagine, and we could look back game by game, but but there's there hasn't been a game where the Buffs have really disrupted in the backfield and the way they did in this game. That's exactly what they did. Three sacks, eight tackles for loss, five times they hurried the quarterback. It was just a really good game by the defense. Uh, Robert Barnes led the Buffs in terms of solo tackles with seven. Quinn Perry had five. Uh, nine and nine, respectively, for total tackles. Carson Wells had a great game. Two sacks, three behind the line of scrimmage. Uh, I mean, I think he... Did he get the defense player of the game or the player of the game? I think I saw that. You know, I, game, I'm not but, sure, uh, but it's it'd be a hard one to decide between because you got a few guys that really had a, a, a big game on, on the stat sheet. Right. You know, I think really it was the Carson, linebacking though. core across the board. Yeah, Mark Perry had a good game. Jalen Sammy, Marvin Ham, Gonzalez really showing up lately as well. So, good game by the Buffs. Uh, and like I said, you know, it was exactly what you want to see in terms of getting a win on senior day, not necessarily the exact way you want to see them go about doing it. And you just wonder because Carl Durrell responds to this pressure. He, he's shown that before. And I think the pressure can be a good thing. And I don't want that pressure to go away because the Buffs happen to win against a lousy Washington team. So that's my whole thing with this. Let's not be... To let's let's all make it an agreement, okay, Buffs Nation. Let's not get too up after the Buffs win, and let's not get too down after the Buffs lose. I think we all have a habit of doing that, and 
that gets us in bad situations. But for this, you know, it we want to back these players up and support this team. Absolutely. It's Carl Durrell I'm worried about. And, and it's that I don't want him to go into this offseason, you know, thinking that everything's just hunky-dory. He's got to work his tail off this offseason to keep the buffs at least going in the right direction. In my mind, in some capacity, changes need to be made to this team and this approach whether it's within the actual coaches or the philosophy in which they're instilling within this program something has to change for this program to be successful all right uh before we get to next week's game and uh preview the utah utes want to get to this week in colorado buffalo's football history we're going back to what is it 1996 here yep 1996 november 28th 1996 coy detmer becomes the first player in school history to pass for over 3,000 yards in one season in Colorado's 17-12 loss at Nebraska. So I uh, didn't get the win that day, unfortunately, but uh, Coy Detmer setting records. And I love bringing up Coy whenever I can. He was such a, a great quarterback for the Buffs. Actually, that CU helmet right there, Jared, in the studio's got a Coy Detmer uh, uh, autograph on it. And, uh, and he is. He's sort of a forgotten guy when you talk about the, the all-time great Buffs quarterbacks. And one of the guys that was there as they were really transitioning from the option read offense that they ran for so long right. as they were transitioning. So that is to true. You know, everyone always talks about offense. everyone always talks about the option guys. You know, uh, Sal and Nessie, obviously, Darian Hagan, uh, you know, the, Charles J- Johnson. J- Johnson. Um, and then uh, everyone always brings up Cordell Stewart. You know, which why not? Let's not forget the. Let's not forget him. But uh, yeah, Coy Detmer doesn't often get the. Uh, and it's always interesting to me when you do look at like the all-time records list for for the bus for passing yards because yeah. it's pretty much all guys since you know the the mid to late '90s, early 2000s. It's it's a whole list of guys that uh, were there for over the last 20, 25 years because the bus frankly never threw the ball much before <laughs> that. Right? No, that is true, and, and look, that, that that's the thing with. Uh, with, you know, those Dan Hawkins and Cody Hawkins stats. It's like, oh gosh, you know, like I don't have the fondest memories of those years, but man, did he put up some passing yards. But but when you look back, hindsight being twenty twenty, you know, I think we've seen things are <laughs> the grass isn't always green. <laughs> All right. I got one more here. This goes back to nineteen eighty five, November twenty third, nineteen eighty five. Uh, Colorado's thirty to zero win over Kansas State gives CU a seven and four regular season record, which also enables the Buffs to win the NCAA's most improved team for nineteen eighty five. So how about that, Buffs? Uh, back to nineteen eighty five, thirty to zero over Kansas State. All right, let's uh, let's get on to Utah. Colorado going on the road to Utah. This game is Friday, so mark your calendars. Friday at two o'clock p.m. Let's preview the or the uh, Utah Utes. So, you did I say Washington earlier? Did I say Utah? I think Utah? you said Utah. Okay, good. I'm but, not really listening that much <laughs> to you, though, so uh, good for you. Uh, let's preview the Utah Utes. All right, Utah prefers to run the football. Now, they can do both, and they've been getting better through the season. That's kind of the theme with Utah. Steady improvement through the year. They could certainly do both, but they want to run the football. They are 18th in the country in rushing yards, 76th in passing yards. So certainly, like I said, a team who wants to uh, keep it on the ground. And that does include their quarterback, even though uh, their quarterback, uh, Cameron Rising, fourth on the team in attempts and yards. They will rush with him. He's actually tied for second on the team in touchdowns. 
on the ground. So uh, they like to run the football. Three running backs who get involved. You got to stop the rush first and foremost against Utah. Like I said, 18th in the country in rushing yards per game, 76th in passing yards per game. And they are second in the Pac-12 with that number in rushing yards per game. Okay, wow. So they definitely uh, are a fisher run of the football, and that's what they want to do. Through the air, they go underneath. They use behind the line of scrimmage a lot. Their top two receivers are tight ends, okay? So... This is going to be a really big game, stopping the tight ends, stopping the running backs, catching out of the backfield. If you can shut things down at and behind the line of scrimmage, very similar to last week, well, the Buffs are going to have a decent shot to stay in this game. Now, keep in mind that the spread this week is, what, 24? It's big. 24 and a half points. But you got to keep in mind, for those of you that don't follow the odds making a lot, Utah's coming off of a huge win over Oregon. I think that's inflating that number right. just a little bit. Oregon was the number three team in the country at the time. But what do you think of that? They have t- th- th- Their two leading receivers are both tight ends. You know, when I look at this roster offensively up and down, it's like the most Kyle Whittingham-ingest team <laughs> I've ever seen. I mean, it's a bunch of guys that, you know, from a ta- pure talent standpoint, there, there's nobody that you're seeing that's just going to, you know, blow the top off or anything like that. It, it's tight ends that are solid, that are reliable. He maximizes what he gets out of his players. And I think that's exactly what this is. It's an efficient offense that can move the chains and chip away at you. They don't have a lot of big plays or anything like that. So I think that's a, this is a, a matchup that I'm probably more optimistic about right now than I should be because I do think the Buffs match up well from their with their defense against this offense. It's a similar, you know... Uh, approach to like we talked about when they played Oregon State where you kind of know what they're going to do and if you could stop them from doing that they don't have a whole lot else to go to if you can shut them down running the ball like you said man I don't know that Utah is an offense that can really beat you through the air consistently well they can't I mean their receivers really don't go downfield much I mean you look at average yards per catch so this is not a vertical team this is not a team like you said that's going to kind of take the top off at any given time so but does that mean it's going to be easier for the Buffs? No, because that's what Utah wants to do. It's not like they want to go over the top and they won't be able to. This is how Utah plays with a very structured, underneath style. Uh, their quarterback, Cameron Rising, this year, uh, 63% completion, almost eight yards a pass, so he's definitely going downfield. 14 touchdowns, two interceptions, and my God, he's been sacked four times. Now, he didn't play all year. Charlie Brewer, I think, started the season for him, but Cameron Rising... Uh, four sacks in his starts, they don't get to him. So I don't want to make it a huge deal because, look, we said this last week that it was a key to the game for the Buffs to get pressure on Washington. That's because Washington kind of struggled with that aspect of of pass protection and the pass rush, things like that. This is not what Utah does. Utah can protect their quarterback and actually are very good at getting the ball out of his hands, moving quickly. So it's going to be tough for CU to get pressure on the quarterback this game. Yeah, and I think more you're looking at a, a, a situation where you probably don't want to be bringing that extra pressure. You want to keep your guys in good position to defend against the run. You might see more of the big boys up front, more of a you know bigger, more stout defensive line to try to hold up a little bit better against the run, not so focused on getting after the quarterback. Um, so their offense, let's see, we went over the uh, rushing. They want to run the football. They got a couple backs, tight ends, quarterback. Uh, before we get to their defensive stats... I want to pull up some. Uh, I have, uh, uh, you know, PFF College, Pro Football Focus uh, College. They get they have really good stats on. It sort of goes advanced, goes in depth beyond the normal stats, kind of advanced metrics. And I love looking at 
uh, things from this point of view. So right now I'm pulling up the Pac-12. And I just want to see where Utah is in some categories. All right, let's see here. So offensively, overall offense, Utah, according to PFF College, which is Pro Football Focus College Edition, Utah has got the second best offense in the Pac-12. The first number one passing attack in the Big 12. So think about that, Jared. They rarely pass. When they do, they're very efficient. And they use the running game to open things up for the pass. Now, they're the number one passing team. They're the number three rushing team. So it's not like they're horrible at that either. But just think about what that means. Pro Football Focus is saying when they have to pass, they are the single best, most efficient team in the Pac-12. That scares me this game. Because on paper, it looks like, okay, shut down the tight end, shut down the running backs. It shouldn't be that hard. It's so much more difficult come game day. And I think the reason is they'll throw on third downs. They'll throw on and try and surprise you on first down. But it's going to be daggers when they get those. It's not going to be consistently beating you down. They use their pass as a dagger. And what that tells you, what I take from that is they are kind of depicting the pace of the game when they're on offense. They're they're passing when they choose to pass. They're not putting themselves in a lot of third long situations. Those obvious passing downs where you're getting passing looks from the defense. So they're they're you know the way that they're controlling the game offensively is like you said, attacking in certain scenarios that benefit them to put them in high efficiency situations. But, but it's all the coaching staff. Sure, and this yes. is what you see from Kyle Whittingham. And a, a perfect example as to why that is, in terms of pass blocking efficiency, they are 11th in the Pac-12. The only team worse in the Pac-12 of pass blocking is the Colorado Buffaloes. So Utah has allowed their quarterback in the last six weeks of football to be sacked four times with one of the worst pass, pass uh, protections in the Pac-12. How are they doing that? by scheming situations to get the ball out of their quarterback's hands, into their tight end's hands, running back's hands. Why do you think their top two tight ends are leading in the team? That's how this offense is designed. So that matters a lot. Uh, Going on uh, run blocking, they're third. So really the only stat they're deficient in is uh, the pass blocking. To give you an idea where the buffs are in those categories, overall offense, Colorado's 11th. Overall pass attack, Colorado's 9th. Overall uh, pass blocking, we said Colorado's uh, last. Overall rush attack, Colorado's ninth. And overall rush blocking, Colorado is ninth. All right, on to the defense. Uh, Utah defensively, let's check out some stats here. They do have, if I remember correctly, one of those Nate Landman types. Uh, Yeah, he he is uh, pretty much in every category. Devin Lloyd is his name. Leading tackler. He's second in the team in sacks, and I believe he's leading the team in interceptions. Yeah, look at that. Devin Lloyd. So he is, I'll get everyone a number here. I always like to do that just so they can kind of track onto you. Oh, number zero. That's always good. Okay, how do you feel about the number zero? I think you have to be really good to have numbers here, like Gilbert Arenas, and okay. so you can. I think you have to pull it off if, if you're good. You can't just put zero out there if you're. So I'm fifty-fifty on zero, and and I have to get specific with it. I'm okay with the single zero. Okay, you're a single zero. It can be a number, whatever. The double zero, I don't get. <laughs> it's not zero one. It's not zero two out there. You don't have a double zero. It's a single zero. Uh, zero double zero is flashy though. It's all about the flash. You're not about that. I'm such you? a get off my long guy. Yeah, I hate are. it. <laughs> All right. Uh, Devin Lloyd, number zero, leading their team in tackles and uh, really disrupting behind the line of scrimmage. Uh, looks like they have a lot of safeties and cornerbacks. Their third, fourth, and fifth tackler on the team playing the uh, secondary, two safeties and one cornerback. Overall, though, this is a very good defense. They've allowed seven points in two of the last three weeks. So. 
you know, it's a defense that is they get off the field. They don't, you know, they're very efficient on third down. Um, look, they're they're rather average across the board when you look at national rankings. They're 34th in rush yards allowed, 40th in pass yards allowed. They're still 25th in yards per play, but they've been getting better throughout the season. As I said, two of their last three games, they've allowed only seven points. That was to Oregon and Stanford. I mean, Stanford's not a great offense, but Oregon, you know, they can score. So, And, and one thing this Utah defense does do well that, you know, has been consistent for them all year is getting after the quarterback. They have 33 sacks as a team on the season. That's three per game average. We were just talking about the Buffs. That was their best game of the season, getting three sacks. And that's what Utah's averaging. So that is a concern. I think that's a concern for me with the Buffs because of the issues the Buffs have had giving up sacks and holding on to the ball in the backfield with Brendan Lewis. So I do think that's probably the biggest concern I have with what the Buffs need to do offensively is is avoid letting these guys tee off on Brendan Lewis. Yeah, that's going to be a big part of this game. It certainly is. Now, let's get to those keys and those moments in just a second. Uh, real quick, before we finish talking about Utah, they've won four in a row. They've won seven of eight. Their losses this year, so they're eight and three. Their losses were at BYU, at San Diego State, and at Oregon State. They're undefeated at home. And uh, it's tough to play in Utah. And they're putting up points at a level that they don't typically historically. I think, if I'm not mistaken, in in every game this year, I think, or every win this year, they've scored at least 24 points. I mean, it's Jared. They've scored. All right, I'll just go back from last week. 38, 38. This is how many points Oregon scored. 38, 38, 52, 44, 42, 35, 42. (laughs) I mean... Whew. It's uh, they figured things out. Do you remember when they started one and two, and everyone's saying, "Ah, Utah, it's not going to be the same Utah team, folks." This is what good coaching does. This is what elite coaching does. You think Kyle Winningham's maybe interested in a job? Yeah, let's ask him if he wants to come on over. All right, so let's get to some predictions right after this. All right, we're not going to get many more opportunities to uh, play that, so I had to get one more in uh, before uh, season ended. Always good. I always have to resist the urge to sing along with it. Right? <laughs> but, uh, look, I don't know if we're going to get to play that after this Utah game. Just not so sure. All right, let's get to our offensive key to the game, defensive key to the game, and then our score prediction. My offensive key to the game, and I kind of have two here. Uh, the first is avoid penalties, because if you're going to win this game, as a 24-point underdog, it's going to take a mistake-free game. You can't be making penalties. You can't be bringing long rushes back or first downs back on holding. You can't be making any stupid penalties. So avoid penalties. Play a clean game. And also, my offensive key, my other offensive key, I want to see a 100-yard game from Broussard. Because if he has 100, maybe Fontenot's got 30 or 40. Maybe we got you know 20 or 30 here, a little bit more there from Lewis. That's what it's going to take for the Buffs to win this game is, I think, dictating a little clock, running the football, and really not putting Brennan Lewis in too much of a situation. How do you do that? You get the ball on the ground. You be efficient on the ground. Broussard, 
over 100 rushing yards. Jared, what's your offensive key to the game? Uh, my offensive key is is something I just kind of alluded to a moment ago. The, the Utah gets after the quarterback, and that concerns me a lot. So I think the key to this game for the Buffs' offense is get the ball out of Brendan Lewis's hands. I think it, they've had success when they've done that. In this game, more than ever, it's going to be important. Use the bubble screens. Use the, you know, getting the ball to your uh, running backs out of the backfield. Put the ball in your playmaker's hands. Don't put Brendan Lewis in a situation where he's just getting teed off on. All right, defensive key to the game, got to get turnovers. You have to force turnovers on defense. It's what won the game last week. Exactly. Interceptions, fumbles, I don't care how you do it. I'm not even asking for a defensive score, even though I'll take one of those as well, but you have to force turnovers. You got to put Utah in bad spots when their defense just got off the field and you got to go right back on, where you're giving your offense the ball on the 25-yard line heading for the end zone. This is what it's going to take to, again, beat a Utah team as a 24-point underdog. So for the Buffs, you've got to force some turnovers on defense, and uh, I think that's a big part of this game. What do you got for the defensive key to the game? I'm I'm calling on the linebackers in this game. They, you know, the the inside linebackers, Quinn Perry, uh, Robert Barnes, Marvin Ham. Those guys have really played inspired football over the last couple weeks. I called them out a few weeks ago against Oregon that they had a very very bad game in that in that first matchup without Nate Landman on the field, and they've really progressed week over week. I think last week they were the difference in that game. I need them to come out again. They have to be the difference in shutting down this running game, keeping those gains to two or three yards instead of them making it to the, the secondary and getting seven or eight yards on these carries. So I'm calling on the linebackers to shut this running, get this running game down. All right, what do you got for a score? Because All right, Tyler, I- I'm going to need a minute to, to explain this one out. Okay, okay. okay. So I, I'm full of optimism today, okay, and and coming after this weekend. And, and I look at what what each team is motivated for what motivation does each team have the buffs this is it this is your season you you can finish strong you won a game last week you can win what that would be three out of four games to finish the season i think yeah. you feel really really good about that that tells me there's a lot of motivation for this buffs team to play good utah has nothing to play for they are locked into the pac-12 championship game they have won the pac-12 south they just came off of a huge victory over Oregon, the team they are most likely playing next week in or in two weeks in the Pac-12 championship game. So I see a team that is coming off of a big win, thinking they're hot stuff, maybe looking past the bus because they don't have anything to play for in this game. And I absolutely think they are focused on making sure that they are going to go win the Pac-12. I don't know if Utah's head's going to be 100% in this game. I think this matchup actually works out pretty good for the Buffs because it's not a team with incredible athletes that put these linebackers in space in positions they're not comfortable in. I think the Buffs defensively can have a similar game. Now, I'm not going to say they're going to get four turnovers, one for a touchdown like they did against Washington, but I think if you go in with that same approach, keep it a low-scoring game, don't let this offense beat you with big plays, I believe the Buffs can go out and get a win in this game. So call me crazy, Tyler, but I'm taking the upset. I got the Buffs winning 24-23 in this game. I love it. I absolutely love it. And look, I've been on the Buffs now for a few weeks. Sometimes I look stupid. Sometimes I don't. I called it last week. I'm doing it again, but I'm going a little bit of a different angle. 
close game like you are, but I think they do it by muddying this thing up, running the football, making this just a just a dog fight. So I've got the Buffs in a low scoring win, seventeen sixteen, in one of those. You know, kind of maybe maybe a little cold this weekend, maybe a little cold on Friday. You know, uh, a sloppy game, if you will. So I got the Buffs winning seventeen sixteen. How important do you think a win is? I mean, let's say they two scenarios: they win, end the season five and seven, and have a little momentum going into the offseason. or they lose, head into the offseason four and eight, off of a loss to uh, Utah. I mean. It, does it matter for recruiting? Does it matter for the transfer portal? Does it matter to keep some of these kids here? Have they made their mind up? Like, how important do you think it is for the future of this program to win this individual game? Yes, to everything you just said there. I absolutely think, especially internally, the internal recruiting battle that you're having right now for, for Carl Durrell, I think that is so important to get a win, feel like you're moving in a direction towards something, especially to go beat a ranked team. That I, I really think you would be encouraging players like Brandon Rice, you know, some of these young defensive players that man, maybe they have think they're thinking they have better opportunities elsewhere. So I think that's big. I think for just your recruiting, I mean, there's an early recruiting period that happens here in December. So I think always being in the minds of, of these recruits that you are a, a good, a solid football team. Um, but really the only reason it, it, you could argue to me that the loss doesn't hurt you is if your goal is to see Carl Durrell not the head coach next year because that's probably the one thing. If, if they get a, a, a loss or excuse me, they get a win here, Carl Durrell's not going anywhere. Right. Now, do I think he's gone with a loss? No. I think this is our football coach next year. Like I think, I think so, too. And I think that has a money aspect just as much as anything else. So for that reason that I don't think that we'll see Durrell gone at the end of the season, you know, I, I agree with you. And I think it's probably um, what you said first, which is that Utah isn't going or, – or that it's more of a – not Utah, that it's more of an inner uh, program thing. So not getting your guys to leave. Make sure Brendan Rice understands that you're turning the corner. Make sure that all these younger players understand that we are making progress here. We're going in the right direction. So I think it means more for that than the outside looking in. I'm not sure how many Juco players are going to see one win over Utah and change their minds. I'm not sure how many 18-year-old, 17-year-old kids are going to see one win over Utah and change their minds. Maybe they do. Maybe there's one more recruit that comes because of that. But I think it has a lot more to do with keeping your players in-house and reminding them that you're going a certain direction with this thing. So... All right, Jared, that was a good show today. It was a nice way to end things for, well, for the home stretch at least. No more games at Folsom Field this year, but uh, let's hope they end strong at Utah. And and hopefully we can have as much excitement the next time we're on this show, right? Look, and we can end the season strong. I hope so. I, I, I hope that can be the case. Now stay tuned because next week we're going to come back, wrap everything up for the season. And then uh, after that, I think we're going to – it may be spotty after that. We're going to – that's right, right, Jay? We're coming back next week. No, right? I thought we were taking no, no, one we, off. We, yeah. No, that's two weeks taken off. So we'll be back next week. Okay. On uh, the 30th, it would be. We're, we're recording. And then uh, the week after that, will be off. So stay tuned next week. We'll wrap the season up, go over our uh, favorite moments of the season, things like that. And then the following week, we'll, we'll have off. And then we'll just let you guys know what we're doing after that. But uh, – it was a fun season. We'll talk to you next week. Let's go Buffs. Finish on a strong note. Beat Utah. Let's go Buffaloes. We'll talk to everyone next week on the Buffs Nation podcast. <laughs>